Welcome to Alumni Voices, a podcast from the University of Oxford. I'm Guy Collander, and every month I speak to a former Oxford student about their career, life after Oxford, and memories of their alma mater. For this podcast, I'm joined by Ruth Farmer, who has won an Alumni Award from the British Council for Championing Women's Participation in Technology in her home country, the United States. Ruth Farmer, thank you very much for returning to Oxford to tell us about your work. Thanks for having me. Firstly, could you tell us how you found out about your award? This was the inaugural year of the award, and um, and then every time someone nominated me, um, it would send me a reminder, and then I had to complete something online. But And there were a series of Education UK alumni awards given by the British Council for entrepreneurship, professional achievement, and social impact. They were given to foreign alumni who studied in the UK and then returned home to forge inspiring careers in three countries, India, China, and the US. You won the Social Impact Award for alumni from the US. What else do you know about the award process? Was it a simple question of the number of nominations? What other factors came into play? Um, So I know I was nominated by multiple classmates as well as some other um, folks that had been um, attending school in the UK. And the process, at least for the US, was that um, the US British Council Office sent the nominations to the respective universities. And um, those universities then ranked the candidates and made their recommendations. I know Oxford did quite well, and we had quite a few um, nominees, and we had five finalists overall. And I'm happy to report that next year, the um, Education UK Alumni Award is expanding to 11 countries, so eight additional countries from this year's three. And the goal is to really build a global network of international alumni that have attended universities in the UK and I'm sure Oxford will play a huge role in that network. And was there an award ceremony? Did you meet up with the other finalists? The yes, other so finalists? we had um, 12 finalists in, or 11 finalists in New York City at a beautiful event, kind of a gala. And then last night here in um, London we had an event um, with um, another famous UK alumni, um, Jimmy Chu the shoe designer and um, some members of the uh, home office and um, we had meetings at 10 Downing Street. We'd had a very busy week, but last night they had another sort of ceremony for all of us from around the world. They flew us all here, so that was sort of part of the the award was coming back to visit the UK and visit your university. A fantastic way to share experiences about your studies in the UK and, uh, and to come back to Oxford as well. Yeah, I'm always happy to come back to Oxford. And could you tell us more about your work with the National Centre for Women and Information Technology? And this was the work that led to your nomination. Yes, so um, the National Centre for Women in IT, which we lovingly called NCWIT, um, is an organisation founded in 2004 and very interestingly is on a 20-year mission to increase women's meaningful participation in technology. So we have a sunset clause and we intend to go out of business because we don't think there should need to be a National Center for Women in IT. Um, I work particularly in sort of the K-20 space, so that means from age five through graduate school, and um, working to increase girls' access 
to you know computer science, technology, app development, whatever it is, so that they get exposed when they're young, um, increasing access for them at the high school level, which would be you know ages 14 to 18 in the U.S., and then helping them to um, persist as they go through the process of going through college and. Um, that's necessary because less than 18% of computer science students are female and um, if we want to have the workforce we need in the next 10 years, the um, building up the, the population of students getting degrees in computer science is important and women are the e most easily accessible group of talented smart people to do that. We're very concerned, one, about participation, but we're concerned about meaningful participation. So a company might say, we have 30% women, but they might be counting like project managers and people that aren't actually creating technology or managing technology in the same you know, technical roles that men are in. We're very interested in women being creators of technology because it's kind of insane to have half the population not participate in creating the technology that we all rely on and use every day. You know, when you don't have diversity on your design team, you can miss some things. And we believe that the world of technology will be so much better and will solve a large, larger swath of challenges that are meaningful to a larger group of people when we have a diverse team at the table. So I'm not suggesting we replace all technologists with women, but I would certainly like to have it be representative of the population. And um, so we want a computer savvy, literate, technically oriented population that um, has a design team that represents everybody that is part of the using team. And what's your vision of technology in the future? In 10 years time, you're gonna be wandering around with chips in our arm and um, paying for things I think, that way. I think wearables are, are a big thing. Um, I'm really kind of liking um, e-textiles, which is like putting technology into in intelligent clothing and things like that. Um, there's so much going on with 3D printing. But like 10 years, I mean, 3D printing, e-textiles, wearables, that's all like next year. Like 10 years is impossible to predict. Um, but I think when we have a critical mass of women building technologies, I think what's gonna be interesting is not necessarily the technology that we build, but the way that technology is going to be reimagined to solve new problems. So a really good example is a young woman in Massachusetts there was a tragic event at her high school where a student on a field trip had an allergic reaction and they used her EpiPen and they did that, but no one called the ambulance because everyone was so, you know, wrapped up in dealing with the crisis. No one called 911 and the student died. Well, this young woman who went to her high school has now designed and is applying for a patent for an EpiPen that's um, Bluetooth paired to your phone and it calls 911 for you. Because just because you've given yourself the EpiPen doesn't mean it's over. You're still in anaphylactic shock. So the technology to do that has existed for a while, but nobody saw the problem. And so having more young people engaging in solving these things that are relevant to them because they have an experience in their lives, I mean, it's 
it's a great application of we already had Bluetooth, we already, you know, it's all there. And it's just a matter of leveraging it to solve just a wider array of things that matter to more people. And you've been described as an inspiration to young women and even as a career fairy godmother. Could you tell us more about how that description came about? Well, I have to give credit to that term to Serena Booth, who um, is one of my students um, at Harvard. And three or four years ago, I got an invitation to go to an event at the White House that was being held about women in technology. Um, When Serena got her email invitation from the White House to go, she shared it online and she goes, just got invited to the White House, thanks career fairy godmother, Ruth Farmer. So that's kind of where that came from. Um, And I have this group of talented, interesting, cool young women of all types. There are nerdy ones and there are fashion girls and they're, they're all over, but they're all really interested in technology and it's pretty fun and easy for me to um, connect them to opportunities, whether it's internships, jobs, visibility, publicity, because um, the employers certainly want to hire them. And um, so, you know, being a connector for them is something that I can do and I like to do. And someday they're going to turn around and connect each other or the next generation. So it's more of a mentoring role. It's a mentoring role, but it's, it's really, you know, sort of like being the conductor of an orchestra, I guess, because we have a number of programs and the community is the heartbeat of it. We also have um, more than 60 individual events around the country that bring these young women together and recognize them publicly. We have an outreach program where any young woman in our group can receive funding to launch a program to teach other girls. And we've launched now 115 programs and taught 3,700-plus young girls how, you know, app development, coding, robotics, it doesn't really matter what it is because the important thing is that they're being invited into technology and getting that exposure. And then we now have a college program as well that um, engages women that are already in college, but they want the same level of connection and support. Really, it's a massive professional network And you studied an MBA at Oxford. How have your studies contributed to your ongoing success? So um, I wasn't looking for an MBA. I wasn't looking to go to graduate school at all, but I had come to the School World Forum on Social Entrepreneurship here at Oxford and um, learned about the social entrepreneurship focus of the MBA, which at the time I was working with a social entrepreneurship nonprofit on their board. I think the thing that's been most useful is the the world I work in straddles both business and academia. So I work with K-12 education, so education for children. I work with universities, and then all the funding and other support comes from corporations and volunteers and so on. So having an MBA one, it taught me the language of business. I'd been working in, you know, women's organizations and, and nonprofits for a long time, and they have a different culture, they have a different language. So I learned the language of business, and I think having an MBA gave me the ability to communicate with my um, corporate partners in a way that they understood. It, it really enabled me to straddle those two worlds very effectively. And what was it like being a foreign student? 
at Oxford? Well, everybody in the business school was a foreign student, it seemed. I think we had a very small percentage of British students. You know, the international network that you get from attending a place like Oxford is just phenomenal. There's parallels all over the world. Like, you know, these challenges are different in different countries, but um, they definitely, you can learn a lot from how people have worked or done business or done their work in other countries. And what do you most enjoy about your time at Oxford? Um, St. Cross College was great. Um, I think the neatest thing about the way the education is done here is, you know, you live, eat, sleep, and have your social life centered around your college, which is cross-disciplinary. So I had, you know, students doing conservation, education, anthropology, archaeology, those were the people I lived and, and hung out with. And then I had my business school students that were, you know, the other set of, you know, friends and colleagues. And I think having that um, cross-disciplinary connection is really interesting. In fact, um, there was a guy in my, at St. Cross, who was doing a DPhil in the history of science. And he ended up getting hired at the U.S. Patent Office um, Museum. And then we started working together to get more um, women nominated to the National Inventors Hall of Fame. And we did a number of events together. You know, and back when I was here, I would never have thought that he and I needed to be connected. But it turned out to be quite quite a good one. So immediately had benefits after leaving. Oh, absolutely. Ruth Farmer, thank you very much for telling us about your award and your experiences at Oxford. We wish you all the best with your important work to increase women's participation in technology. For other episodes of Alumni Voices and for more information about the Alumni Office, please visit www.alumni.ox.ac.uk.